Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have T.C. Stallings. He's a former professional athlete now finding success in film and television. After stunning football campaigns in high school and college, T.C. went on to play professionally in the arena, Europe, and Canadian leagues. Following his success in athletics, T.C.'s desire shifted to a career in film and television. In 2004, T.C. landed a spot on Animal Planet's King of the Jungle, a hit network reality television show in which he emerged as the season two champion. He then began a four-year stint working with Russell Athletic as a fitness model. In 2009, after a successful Skype audition from the living room of his Louisville, Kentucky home, T.C. made his feature film debut in the 2011 hit Courageous, portraying the memorable character T.J. Following this feat, T.C. gave up a successful personal training business in Louisville and headed for Hollywood. After a few months of auditioning, T.C. would land two commercials followed by three more films, but T.C.'s career reached new heights with his breakout performance as Tony Jordan in the 2015 hit film War Room, which soared to number one at the box office. He would later land a nomination for Best Actor for his lead role in God's Compass, followed by a Best Actor win for his supporting role in Unbridled. T.C. also found continual success in booking TV commercials, with two of them being featured during the 2016 Rio Olympics and the 2016 Super Bowl. In 2019, his production company, Team T.C. Productions and Purpose Studios, reached a milestone when he wrote, directed, and self-produced a documentary called 24 Encounter, The Story Behind the Run, which received a film festival nomination for Most Inspirational Documentary. In 2020, TC also became an executive producer and showrunner for the newly formed PAX TV network launched out of Dallas, Texas. TC is also a nationwide brand ambassador for Clearplay, a company with a mission of providing families with clean, wholesome entertainment options. TC is a wide-ranging actor, a huge advocate for clean family entertainment, and enjoys creatively getting involved in philanthropic efforts around the world. TC, it's an honor to have you here today. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. It's, um, you know, I, I just got to watch my brother's Keeper pre-release and you did a great job in that as well. I know that'll be coming out soon. Also, tell us a little bit more about your role in that and, and how you got involved with that film. Oh, sure. Well, thanks, first of all, for the compliment. I mean, that's a good, every actor wants to hear that they did a good job. And, um, I, um, I play a soldier, Travis Fox, uh, Sergeant First Class Travis Fox, and he is a decorated veteran and, uh, highly respected. And the, the story centers around him, uh, having to return home to bury his friend that he lost in combat. And, uh, when he gets home, he discovers a bunch of other things that kind of send his his time home into a bit of a tailspin as he tries to figure out uh, what kind of happened. And, and this is kind of what the storyline is based around, but you kind of don't find out until the end. So it's a fun little ride. But what he's dealing with along the way that he gets surprised by is how strong the effects of PTSD is in his life when he returns back to, um, you know, being, you know, being a civilian. So that hits him. And then you know, people around him try to help him in different ways, including, you know, to strengthen his faith, you know, to strengthen his relationships. And he's just finding all of this to be uh, a struggle. 
and um, and we got we we get to see how he deals with it, the methods that he take, and how it all works out. It's a it's the most challenging role that I've ever had in my life, uh, being that I had no experience with you know military or uh, PTSD. So those are two things that I had to really dig into and study and and see what it's like, so that it could be an authentic portrayal. So. Hopefully those who are suffering with that PTSD or those that are in the military will see that and uh, be able to say, you know, I was I was well represented on screen. Well, you definitely played the the role extremely well. And and I think that, you know, some of those scenes where you are battling the, the PTSD and then and obviously where you you know reach your breaking point, essentially, you really captured those emotions so well. And, you know, I, I have several friends that are ex-military that are involved with trying to help veterans and, and also those that, that struggle, bringing awareness to the, the PTSD struggle. I, I didn't realize, you know, how many people suffer from that. And, you know, these are people that they risk their lives to fight for our country, for our freedom. And, you know, some of them never recover from that. They, they end up in, in really bad situations or they don't make it at all. They succumb to that. So uh, I definitely appreciate you guys highlighting that issue and trying to bring more awareness so that people kind of understand uh, just from a, a small aspect what some of these people are facing. Absolutely. Especially since PTSD is a lot of people tend to associate that with just the military. Obviously, it's very uh, prominent in, in the military, but, you know, PTSD, you know, it's, it's post-traumatic stress. Um, this can happen in, in a lot of areas within our lives. So there's all kinds of people that are dealing with it, not just military, but just anybody who has had a, a, a traumatizing situation that they can't necessarily shake, you know, from their mind. And, you know, it leads to nightmares and, you know, it leads to flashbacks and, you know, it could be anything. And so just knowing that all kinds of people around the, the country deal with that um, is one thing. Um, obviously, the movie focuses on military because uh, the director and um, executive producer, Ty Manns, has a strong military background throughout his whole family, even his dad. And the movie centers around you know, some some really some true things that had happened with Ty's father. And so uh, it's near and dear to him. And so this is, so this has a military focus on it. And we want to honor that and highlight that and have people praying for our veterans and, and those who are who serve the country who go through PTSD. But certainly it's a it's a a, a global um, you know deficiency within a lot of different areas, not just military. But for sure, we want to highlight that being that um, it is definitely issue within our military in all branches. No, absolutely. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to Ty as well. We were supposed to talk this morning and ended up uh, having a scheduling conflict. So uh, we're actually going to be uh, talking tomorrow. So I'm glad to know that it goes back to stuff with his dad. That'll be good to discuss. And I actually got to talk to um, one of your co-stars, Robert Richard, last week, Mm -hmm. uh, who plays Donnie in the film. And You know, another cool element in in the movie is, you know, Donnie being essentially your best friend. He y'all are very close and there's an issue between the two of y'all. And and not only is there the overcoming of the the trauma and the the PTSD that you're dealing with, but then you're trying to grow in your faith and mm-hmm. you've got to deal with forgiveness right before you're about to, you know, develop this relationship with the Lord, you've got to deal with kind of betrayal and, and forgiveness, you know, so I think that that's another great element to the movie. Tell us a little bit more about that and what that looks like as a, 
as a follower of Christ, what, what forgiveness looks like. For sure. I mean, like I said, within the film, first of all, with Robert, man, those, those are some of my um, my most favorite scenes because, uh, like I said, we, we got a chance to, you know, connect on set and just have a good time with it. And uh, so you, the, when you see us laughing and talking and all of that, and all that stuff was real. You know, it's, it's, we were doing it anyway, and then they just say, you know, action, and then <laughs> we, we were already into it, and we just kept, kind of kept it going. So that was really cool. And um, But, yeah, you know, he, he is in this particular film, you know, without giving it away, he he just has that role of 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 someone that you know this is your best friend so you should have a trust relationship with him and that means a lot to you so if in any way shape or form you start to doubt that trust is there uh, then that can be tough you know and um and that's something that Travis deals with throughout the film you know when his friend dies in the military that was somebody that he trusts and loved that was a friend that always talked about god and talked about jesus and faith and you know for him to be killed in the war. And like I said, the, the, you know, the movie shows you that in the trailer. So that's not a giveaway. I lose my best friend. I'm going home to bury my friend. Those type of things have a, a, a an effect on a person to where it's hard to trust God and it's hard to forgive, you know, life and how it takes people from you. And, and that's Travis's big thing that life is just taking everything away from him, whether it be his best friend, you know, whether it's, you know, messing up Donnie's life, messing up my parents' life, and you, you hold God completely responsible for that. So forgiveness is central in this because you got to do it all the way around. You know, you got to, you got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive other people. You got to trust other people. And, um, you, you got to forgive the situation and just understand that, you know, tough times are a part of life. And then the hard part is getting him to trust God with those tough times. And, you know, that's where, you know, Keisha's character and some others come in to try and get me to do that. And as you, you'll see in the film, it's just, it's just not easy, you know, and for a lot of people, it's not easy. And so it's, it's hopefully a, a true portrayal in some cases of how coming to Christ and trusting him with your life isn't always the easiest thing to do. And sometimes it takes time and, and, you know, you got to have patience with whoever's working through it. Absolutely. And I I think that the message of the movie is, uh, you know, there's redemption, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's restoration. You know, it's, it's a overall, it's a fantastic film. First of all, great for the family. And uh, I watched it with my two little girls. We had a movie night and, and got to, you know, huddle around the computer screen as a, you know, watching <laughs> as a pre-screener, but, right. uh, you know, definitely highly recommend it. So from that standpoint, how long have you been just a, a follower of Jesus and somebody who wants to, you know, live your life with a, a purpose like you've got right now? Well, you know, I get asked that question. I always immediately, um, I smile at it because I, I know the difference between being a believer and a follower. And a lot of people, you know, may not understand that there is a straight up biblical difference between the two. Um, I've, I've been a believer since I was probably about nine years old. You know, you go to church and you, you your mother teaches you to go to church and believe in God. And, and I believe in God. I knew, you know, he's up there and, and I'm nine years old and I get baptized and you just start trying to do the godly things. You go to church, you read your Bible. Occasionally you pray, you know, um, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. You know, so you. Very religious in that aspect, and um, that belief rolled with me all the way to college. Uh, but it was in college, my sophomore year, where I transitioned from a believer to a Christ follower. Because there is a difference. Not all believers in Jesus are followers of Jesus. The Bible says the devils, the devil, you know, demons believe. People know who Jesus is, so it's not. You know, it's not just about that. It says they believe, but they shudder in fear. You know, not all believers follow. But when you transition into a follower, 
that's when you lay down your life, you trade in your will for God's will, and you start letting the Holy Spirit take over, and you live your life in such a way where God is, you know, in control. Jesus Christ is Lord. The Holy Spirit is is guiding. And uh, you know, I always think back to the rich young ruler. You know, the Bible doesn't say exactly how he finished out, but I know for what it does show. He believed in Jesus and wanted to follow him. When Jesus started telling him what it took to transition from a believer into a follower, which young ruler chose his stuff instead, you know. So not all believers transition into followers. And I did that in my in my college years. And uh, it came via a Bible study in which I really was able to go deep into it with a fellow student. And I started to see that I was nothing more than just a believer. I hadn't transitioned into following. And um, I was I was really freaked out by Matthew 7, 21 through 24. You know, where we're just talking about, you know, men will come to me in the end and say, you know, and, and I will look at them plainly and say, you know, I never knew you. Yet they thought they were getting in. You know, they thought they were OK. And a lot of believers fall into that because you think your belief is enough. But if you never transition into a follower, go on where Jesus is going with your life, uh, then you could be a candidate for Matthew 7, 21 to 24. And it's not something that I wanted to be. And so figured all of that out my sophomore year. And so ever since then, I jumped on the path of you know, making sure that in the end, when Jesus sees me, he will say, well done, because I did give him my life, my heart. And uh, when I wasn't perfect, I repented and, and turned away from the things that I was doing wrong and, and lived a biblical life and read scripture and prayed and had a true relationship with him. So around my sophomore year is where I truly became a Christ follower. Wow. So that's uh really good information. And and we've got similar timelines from the standpoint of, of I was raised in the church and, you know, I believed, but, you know, where our stories diverge is, is when I got to college, I did not become a follower. I, I got extremely distant from God. And so I did the exact opposite. And, and I led uh, really more of that prodigal son life. I was the son that, that ran away and did all of the destructive behavior that that a lot of people do in college mm-hmm. and and I really had no concept of of God being you know somebody that I could have a relationship with and it wasn't until twenty sixteen for me that I had an encounter with god and and fully surrendered my life and and transitioned so it's it's been a relatively short period of time for me, but that's and I think I was seven when I got baptized the first time, and then it was uh twenty sixteen got baptized again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just knew that it was something that, that I didn't know what I was doing the first time. I haven't lived the way that I'm supposed to. Now, if I'm going to go all in, I'm going to go all in. And and now it is you know, fully submitted to the Holy Spirit. It is doing the things that he's calling me to do and living the way that he wants me to live versus, you know, I, I don't care what the world is telling me to do. If it doesn't line up with his word, I'm not doing it. And right. um, so I absolutely agree 100 percent. And there are so many Christians in name only. They they do believe, but they don't follow. And mm-hmm. I, I actually share that with people all the time that, you know, you want to follow him. You want to not only read what he has to say, but do it. And and the the blessing that's on the other side of following his commands and doing as he says because you love him, you know, that it's not hard when you're in love. And and when you know what he's done for you, why would you not want to do the things that he's calling you to do for him? And so, you know, from that standpoint, uh, we, we started pre-interview, you know, you're in Dallas right now, obviously in the midst of an extreme uh, winter storm and, and y'all have had uh, crazy power out- outages, things of that nature. Uh, but, but what you were sharing with me at the beginning, you know, you're good, but, but your concern was for the people around you. 
uh, share a little bit more about kind of what's on your heart with, with what's going on now. Yeah. Well, you know, just the other day, me and my family jumped in the car and because um, the water went out and uh, we, we had been without water for a day and we figured, you know, let's see where this is going. We're new to the Texas area. So I'm from, you know, Southern California. I've been out there the last, you know, nine years. So it's just not something that, you know, you deal with. So we, we kind of didn't you know, know how things would happen here. Uh, for sure, didn't even in the area we live, we, snow was unheard of. You know? So they wasn't really prepared for something like this. And uh, you know, when the snow hit and the temperatures dropped you know, below zero and everything, and the pipes froze and the water froze and there was no flow, we're just like, okay, maybe, maybe this will thaw out. But then a couple of days, you know, it didn't. So you know, you, you're without water. And it's like, okay, we better go and try to get water before you know, they cleared the shelves, you know, because um, we had been through this when the pandemic first hit, you couldn't find anything. So we we went out and, and as we were going out, just a lot of the blessings that I feel like God um, has, has given my family just in that moment just started to come to mind. And we started talking about it on the, in the car. I'm like, here we are in a car. We have a car. You know, we had a truck. We're driving. You know, you can you can see on the news because you let the news play that you're probably driving past a house that has no power. You know, we had power. Our power flickered on and off, but it has stayed on. So they're cold in the house. And then we're like, you know, we're going to go and buy some water. Well, we have money to buy water. What about people who don't? And, and then you ride, drive past somebody walking. And being that me and my family, we, we help the homeless a lot. So we, we, we see them a lot. But we didn't know if this person was, was, was homeless or not. And you start to think like these people, their lights are always off. You know, the sunlight is their light. You know, they're outside. Their gas is always off. They don't have shelter. They don't have. So we just started thinking about all of those that are really going through it. And you almost just feel bad that God is blessing you. It's something that you really got to play through. Like, you know, um, and it's not to say that he's blessing us and not them. At the end of the day, just people go through different things. And I think what it does is it set up, sets up those who are blessed to help those who are struggling so they can be blessed too. And then everybody's blessed. And so my whole attitude has just been forget me and anybody, you know, who who has a few little inconveniences, just start focusing on the people who deal with this stuff every single day, being the homeless, um, you know, people who are really, 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 really low income, you know, all this. I just, my thought is let's help them, you know, let's make their day better. And um, and that's kind of what our mind shifted towards yesterday because we didn't even complain. No stores were open. We couldn't even get gas, you know, and uh, the gas stations were closed, you know, and uh, and then I'm just like, you know what? It, it doesn't even really matter. Uh, there are so many people right now that are just sitting there. They're maybe hopeless. They're they're crying. They're and, and it just my heart breaks for them. So a little bit of a long winded take there, but it's just something that I'm passionate about. So I went on on um, social media. And I just told everybody in your neighborhood, in your area, if you've got if you've got shelter, if you've got food, clothes, some kind of warmth, even if you got friends there that you could go to if things really fell apart. You're extremely blessed and fortunate. Um, be thinking about those who don't have any of those things and they're just going through it. And if the Lord leads you in any way to help them, you know, reach out and do it and uh, and don't hesitate. You know, and so that's, that's kind of my take on the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it is um, we live in such a self-absorbed society today where, you know, if I'm good, then that's all that matters. And, and there are so many people that, you know, if their little world gets disrupted, then, you know, they're, they're going to throw a temper tantrum and they, they really have no concept of the world around them and all the other people that, that have so many other adverse situations that, that, you know, that the minor creature comforts that we have 
you know, if those get disrupted for a day or, or maybe even a couple of days or a week, you know, that's some people's reality, like every day, day in, day out, sometimes for years on end, it, sometimes it may be like the majority of their life. You know, I just, I think that there's so many people, especially when you're dealing with the homeless, that people look at them as second class citizens or, or people that are less than a lot of times they're just people that didn't have that support system. Like you're talking about, they didn't have a friend that they could go to. They didn't have family that they could go to. They didn't have, you know, a good uh, background or upbringing and, and things went bad and they didn't know where else to turn. So they start on the streets. Next thing they know that it's been a couple of weeks, it's been sometimes a couple of years. Uh, you know, my buddy that I was telling you about, you know, he was out there for 12 years. And, you know, he was in a house, his house burned down. Now, prior to that, he spent 35 years in prison for murder. So there Mm -hmm. were some bad decisions that led to, you know, some of the stuff. But, um, you know, when his place burned down, everything he had was in there. He had no insurance. He couldn't prove who he was. And so finding another place when you don't have the ability to even prove who you are. I mean, that's like there was no bank account. There was no records. There was nothing. And so, you know, it took you know, us coming alongside him to finally get him off the streets again. But it's, you know, it's, they're just people. Every single person that you see is somebody that God created and God's got a plan and a purpose for that person's life, just like he does for you and I, anybody listening to this podcast, you know, there's nobody that you will ever look in the eyes of that God does not love. And and I recognize that that's important. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't even matter how they got out there, even if they got out there through bad decisions. You know, um, what, what, how, how many times has, has God reached out to us when we've made bad decisions to show some grace? You know, so it's like, like you said, you know, it's, some people are out there, um, when you, when you, and when you find us out when you have a, a conversation with them, you know, rather than just try to ride by and drop a, you know, 99 cent cheeseburger in their lap and keep going. When you have a conversation with them, you find out that some people, they're not actually homeless. They're out there, they're broke, and maybe the rent is about to be due and um, they're out there all day and then they go back home with $10 and just say, babe, this is the best I can do. There are some people who are sleeping behind dumpsters. Um, there are some people that are completely strung out on drugs. Um, there are some people that uh, just have made a ton of bad decisions one after the other and have led them to where they are. The bottom line is when 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 we run into them, when you and I run into them, when all of us run into them, this is just could be considered a crossroads. You know, um, what you say to them in that moment could completely redirect their life. So the road that they've traveled up to that point is really irrelevant once you start to have a conversation. And then what they do after that conversation is out of your control. So it's really just that moment Nothing else matters but that moment. And you had that conversation as the Lord leads. Um, you only stop, by the way, if the Lord leads. You got to pray first. And then you just had that conversation and plant that seed. And then you've done what you're supposed to do. And um, don't worry about why they're there um, in terms of whether or not you're going to help them. Worry about why they're there so you can get the information to see what you need to say next. You know, and so that's that should be the approach. That's really good stuff. And I, I do think that it's... Um... Helping somebody just handing out a meal, that that's you know certainly better than not helping at all. Right. Uh, but when you're able to have those conversations, when you're able to look those people in the eye, when you're able to, you know, pray for them, when you're able to encourage them. And, and in some cases, you know, some of the folks here around Birmingham, you know, I've developed really good relationships with. And, you know, when you see somebody over you know a period of weeks or months or years even, 
and you establish that, establish that relationship and you allow them to know that, you know, somebody truly cares about them. I think that that can really make a, a big difference in their overall mindset. And, and I think that's extremely important. So that's, that's really good stuff. So from that standpoint, we kind of got off on a, a sidebar a little bit, but uh, has that always been something that's, that's been a passion of yours or is that just something that uh, God's laid on your heart more recently? Uh, it's just been something I've been aware of, like I said, since I was a kid, you know, in Cleveland, we would see homeless people all the time and uh, church would help out. And as a kid, you know, you're going to be a part of those ministries. And, you know, what? it wasn't a goal of mine to keep doing that or anything like that. It's just, you know, having a heart of Christ, it just stuck with me. So all throughout my life, I feel like I've always been around the homeless, um, lived where they lived, and, you know, like they, they're always nearby. You know, I've, I've never seen the, you know, even when I was in, you know, um, Southern California, you know, my immediate neighborhood, there wasn't a lot of homeless people around, but just everywhere I went, you know, especially in LA, you know, that we had it worse than anywhere in the country. And um, so you, I, I just have always been around it. And so, you know, my heart is just really hard to keep driving by or keep walking by. You know, I don't share a lot of it, it because it's just, like I said, it's just, it, it, to me, it's just a little weird when, you know, it's, hey, look at me, I'm with the homeless people, you know, it's, so I don't always, you know, do that, but there are certain, I think, I think like maybe 10 years ago, now about, about maybe six or seven years ago, I was in LA and this one particular one, it's like one of the only times I actually shared something because there was a bit of a language barrier um, with this, um, this one homeless guy was sitting there and I went up to him and I tried to ask him what he, like you said, you try to have this conversation. <laughs> and this is one of those com- times where you probably end up, all you can do is leave a sandwich and, and go away because you can't talk with them. I wasn't that great with Spanish, you know, I'm getting better, but I wasn't that great and um, just couldn't talk to him. And, um, but I ended up just sitting there and I, I remember praying about like, am I supposed to just leave or just, just make this, just get this, do this food and just go. And, and I saw another person a little ways away and I asked him to come over and translate for me. And it worked out great. You know, it was just little things like that. And because the whole point that I wanted to make was not, Hey, look at me, I'm with the homeless. I wanted to show people that I didn't just give up and, Sometimes you can just pray. And I showed a picture of me, the translator and the homeless guy. And he was smiling because he actually could understand what I was saying, and which I thought was a lot cooler than just here goes some food. You probably get that all day. But I got a chance to, to talk to him, you know, and, and say some encouraging things. So, you know, it, it's just something that's just been in my heart. It's, it's going to always be in my heart. You know, I got a heart for uh, I'm an under, underdog type of guy because I feel like my life was an underdog type of life. So I got a heart for for people like that. That's why like my favorite movies are movies like Rudy and, uh, <laughs> one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where it's just, you know, Rocky, you know, I still cry uh, Rocky movies. Yeah. You know, I, I can watch all of them. And uh, that's just, that's, that's just the type of heart that I have. So I'm always, I'm always in the corner of, of the underdog or the, the, the less fortunate. And, um, you know, it's just, this is a part of how I am. That's good stuff. And we got a lot in common. That's uh, that's good. Uh, so from that standpoint, one of the things that, that you're extremely passionate about now is making clean family entertainment. And, you know, again, some of the movies that you've been in, fantastic to watch as a family. And um, tell me a little bit more about what that looks like and, and why you feel like there's such a great need for that right now in, in the times that we're living in. Well, I can I can really go all over the place, you know, in terms of, you know, what my heart is when it comes to 
uh, what we watch on TV and what we consume, um, whether it be online, whether it be, you know, even music or whatever. At the end of the day, as a as a Christ follower, I find it I find it hard to be so accepting of just sitting there and watching movies where the language is is, you know, really, really foul and bad and the content is really, really foul and bad and nudity and just all these different things. And then you calling yourself a Christian. And all, I just remember at some point just imagining if I'm watching this stuff and just Jesus just walked in to take a seat. Could I just keep doing what I'm doing? Could I just keep confidently doing, hey, Jesus, and just keep doing Absolutely not. You freak out. That's why most of those things is you do in secret. You don't tell nobody. And I feel like if I got to hide what I'm watching, then it's probably for sure wrong to begin with. You know, a lot of people say there's a gray area, gray area with it. And I thought about it like, okay, well, God is also the God of the gray. Like, Give give him that. What at the end of the day, if if God can't approve of it, you know, if you embarrass as a Christian to be doing it, you know, if it could, if it makes it hard for you to tell people about Jesus because your your choices look hypocritical, then it's just something you need to say no to. So first and foremost, that's the reason why the entertainment that I choose to either be a part of or consume, whether it's faith based or not, even if it's secular, you know, because um, like I said, I'm a big superhero fan, you know, um, but. While I may enjoy watching Superman or Black Panther or something like that, I won't watch um, like Deadpool, you know, unless there, unless I'm able to use uh, like we, we mentioned in the in the open, unless I use ClearPlay, and I can transition into that. ClearPlay is a software that takes out um, inappropriate content, you know, and they do it legally. You know, they they you have to have, you know you can't just take people's stuff and be messing with it. So they do it legally to where you know we have an extension that you download in the Google app. And uh, through that extension, you can filter out content on HBO Max, Disney Plus, Netflix, and Amazon. And, um, you know, thousands and thousands of movies. You basically pull up that movie, then you will see um, on the right side of your computer screen, you have all these filters. We tell you every bad word that's in it, every any nudity, and then you can click see or not see. You can click here or not here, you know. And uh, and so that's the way, if, if the storyline is good, but there's like a couple things that are uh, objectionable, you know, um, not great um, nudity or, or you know, um, you know, even if it's overly violent and you didn't want your kids to see it, you know, we have all filters for that. And then you can watch it and it's more family friendly. And then there are some movies where even the filtering don't work. And if that's the case, we don't even watch it. So a movie like Deadpool or something like that, I would take out all the stuff that will cause you to have to cover your eyes and ears and then you can watch it. So clear play is the way that I handle it. And being an executive producer at PAX TV is my way of, no longer complaining about what's out there, but being a creator of clean family entertainment that, again, whether it's faith-based or uh, mainstream, it's going to be God-honoring, meaning it is clean. It's not something that uh, I couldn't watch in front of the Lord himself, you know, and so that's that's kind of the the heart that I have uh, uh, for it. Well, I definitely appreciate it because, you know, I've got two little girls, 11 and six, and you know, we love to do family movie nights. I love movies and and I love to watch them with them, but it is so hard to, you know, continuously find not just, you know, I mean, there's plenty of entertainment out there, but, but entertainment that's well done and uh, it's actually going to keep their attention. Growing up, my mom uh, used to get us to watch the buttercream gang and we'd always give her and give us a hard time because it was, you know, it wasn't the best, you know, it mm-hmm. was, it was clean, but it wasn't entertaining. It was so hokey. Uh, right. So I think, you know, having stuff that, that it's, you know, it's a good storyline. It's, it's good acting. It's, it's good. Right. An overall presentation 
And how I don't do know why everybody like, associate clean. If you and you probably have seen if people associate clean and wholesomeness with corny and not well done all the time. But I'm like, one of my favorite movies in Hollywood is Wonder. Yeah. One, 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 you know, Wonder with Julia Roberts, you know, and um, I forgot his name already. He's the, the male, yeah, you know, um, who do the voice of cars, you know, um, great, great movie, man. I love that movie, you know, and uh, like I said, Black Panther, uh, I, I can go on and on. There's tons of um, entertainment that you can sit down and it's great and it's well done in some of these movies. In fact, the highest grossing movies of all time are in the, um, family genre they're they're either pg or g and i'm not saying all movies have to be like that but my point is you know that's that's hollywood right there i don't know why people seem to think that hollywood only bangs out you know r-rated movies or the highest rated movies of all time in hollywood are mostly uh family oriented films you know so you know it's at the end of the day you know um even with PAX TV, where I'm executive producing right now, we we have a standard that, you know, it doesn't even matter if the message is great. That don't mean you're going to get on PAX TV because at the end of the day, if it's a great message and that's all you care about, then you need to go and write a book. <laughs> you know, uh, you need to go and maybe, you know, do a sermon, do a message. But when you choose the medium of entertainment, you're charged with the responsibility of entertaining, especially if people got to pay for it. You know, so, you know, the, the, the criteria is a great story, it's clean, and it's entertaining. It's the highest of highest quality. If you don't have that, you know, I'm not taking your work <laughs> and I'm going to, but I'm going to, I'm going to lovingly give you the critique and say, Hey, you know, you got to improve this sound. You know, you might want to throw some more money at this, at, at, at uh, the editing part. You might want to you don't want to platform these beginner actors just yet for this project. Maybe you want to try something else. You need more seasoned actors because at the end of the day, the thing that will kill your message first is the fact because you chose to mold the medium of entertainment, the thing that will kill your message the fastest is poor quality and entertainment. They won't even get through it. You know, so all of that matters. And I never, uh, I've done, you know, over, you know, 18, 19 films. And I, my goal is never to take a project that, you know, I'm embarrassed to do or the quality was terrible. It's just, I don't know why people think that, you know, whether just because you want to honor God with your career means you're looking for a whole bunch of tacky work. And that's just never been my thing. Well, I definitely appreciate that because I don't like to watch the uh, the ones that are lesser quality. I've, I've been subject to those earlier on, but uh, I think that it has evolved a, a lot. Uh, you know, there are great actors that want to get involved with you know, a lot of the, the clean family entertainment. That's that's definitely a good thing. Question right before we uh, get ready to go here. So how many times a day do you uh, work out to stay in the shape that you're in? Every day. Yeah. Same same routine every day except Sunday. Sunday's the off day. Every day you wake up, you know, first hour is in scripture and prayer. And then the second hour, hour and a half or so is, is my workout, you know, and uh, that's it. And if anything, I always go early because you got to start off first because those are the two things that like so once the day gets going and, you know, problems happen or issues happen or work happens and it has a chance to not happen. So I think, you know, what matters to you the most should start. You should hit that first. And so for me, prayer, Bible study, train my body. Uh, the first things I do every single day. And um, yeah, that's that. And I love it. You know, um, I'll, I'll do that as long as I live. 
That's good stuff. I, I start with the prayer and the, the scripture and then the worship in the morning. But uh, I usually do my workouts in the afternoons. So I, I do mix right. that up a little bit. Now, I try and get like, you know, six, maybe seven days. But uh, I don't look like you, so I gotta I gotta <laughs> see what routine you're doing. <laughs> I always tell people the, the 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 thing that I think messes a lot of people up, and I've been guilty of that in the past. Is uh, you know it, it's not. I think everybody needs to pursue what you, what your your makeup is, like what your your goal is for yourself in terms of like what's the best version of your own body. Like I when I, I was a collegiate athlete, um, and you know, I wanted to. And honestly, I was probably better suited to be, you know, the the, the 205 pound speedy running back that I was when I, when I played. But I would see people like Eddie George and um, Ricky Williams. Those are like my guys. Like I love watching them. So you started trying to lift and get like them, which required way more food. But they were built for that. You know, these guys, you know, they're built for that so they could run with that. I did that and got up to like 218. I was huge, you know, but I now I'm not as fast and as quick. And so I shave all that stuff back down and I function better, you know, as a, as a 205 pound guy. And, and this is my look, you know, and it's the same thing, you know, with, with fitness, you know, like for me, you know, I, you know, I, I don't need to be trying to look like the rock, you know, <laughs> John Cena, you know, the, and I like the way those guys are built, you know, you know, those are two, two of my favorite guys, like as far as their physique, physiques go and everything. But, I sir, I feel better at about you know two o five where I am you know and um, not two forty two sixty like those cats but but if I but if I start trying to train like them I'm just it just it, it it makes you miserable you know what I mean so you know I don't know your height and weight or whatever but it's just like you know you gotta you gotta flesh out what you have and 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 rip that thing up you know my goal is to always look good feel good and um, you know and, and and make sure it's like it feels like it's your own personal plan you know and he just it's easier to stick to too when it's like that no that's good advice yeah i'm 160 so lean and mean. that's but, it man but uh yeah this has been uh this has been a lot of fun i definitely appreciate you coming on the show i know that it's been uh really encouraging for me and i know that it's been encouraging for our listeners how can people find out more about you all right. Well, I've found a nice, neat way to answer this question because, man, it is so much going on. And I, and I say that in a very, very happy and blessed way. Um, but I'll, the quick rundown and then I'll tell you how to find out about everything. But, I, you know, I got a brand new book coming out. This will be my third book. I'm doing my own podcast called the TCS Live Show. Um, you know, my movie, My Brother's Keeper, obviously that's coming out. You know, I'm with PAX TV Executive Producing. I'm with Clearplay, banging out clean family entertainment you know, options. And, you know, all of this stuff, if you go to my website, www.tcstallings.life, L-I-F-E, uh, I got everything all right there in a nice, neat place where everybody can uh, check out everything. I got, uh, I'm on social media and I, you know, I talk about these things on social media. So I'm TC Stallings on social media and just make sure it's the verified pages. Um, uh, verified on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can hang with me there to catch up. And uh, yeah, man, if, if, I just started my podcast. Really excited about it. Just another way to reach people for the Lord. Like I said, it's called TCS Live Show. So um, check that out on the Edify Network. And uh, that's about it, you know. And um, just, just again, keep praying for Texas and everybody else around the country who's dealing with this, you know, this tough time. And, um, you know, praying that uh, I can continue to use my gifts to reach people for Jesus. You know, and that's, I appreciate it. And enjoy my brother's keeper when it comes out March 19th for sure. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, those are all the ways that you can find out more about TC. And, and again, thank you so much for being here today. If you've enjoyed this show, check us out on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose or uh, Living Life on Purpose Always on Instagram. We appreciate it and hope to see you again in a couple weeks. weeks.